Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Success in Finance. Joining me today is Jim Berry. So Jim is currently the MBA course director for UCL. Um, he's going to give us a quick summary of his career, but then he's going to talk through in a bit of detail uh, the benefits of undertaking an MBA um, for those who are looking to push on in their career, be it in finance or, or anything outside of finance as well, um, to drive them towards that exact level. So he'll give us a bit of a summary of the MBA, um, touches upon a lot of the attributes that he sees as uh, essential to success and getting to that leadership position. Um, so I hope you enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe, share and comment. You can also check out the confirmed future guests at successinfinance.co.uk and you can watch the full interview with Jim on my YouTube channel. Thanks. Hi Jim, thanks for joining me on Success in Finance today. How are you? Great, glad to be here. Good to see you, Dan. Yeah, yeah, good to have you. Um, do you want to start us off with a quick summary of your career uh, and what you're doing at the moment, and then we can go into to a bit more detail? Sure. I, I'm the director of the UCL MBA, uh, but I, I come to academia from 20 years in industry. So I, I've had a very varied background. Uh, I am not a, a certified accountant, uh, but I am a, a business educator. Uh, and I came to this... Uh, this role from a, a very um, interesting background. Uh, I've done a number of different things. I've worked for the big five consulting firms, which are, I guess, now the big four. Uh, yeah. I was with Anderson Consulting before they, they switched over to Accenture. Um, I've done a number of different things. I've coached Olympic athletes. I have uh, written anti-terrorism textbooks. I have started multiple enterprises, uh, a software, uh, software company, uh, and, and sold that out, and then uh, founded a strategic consultancy group. Uh, and, and through that entire process, uh, I realized I, I really liked working on uh, challenging problems, challenging, challenging strategic problems. And I kept telling my wife that I wanted to go back and get a PhD and, and, and potentially learn more about it and, and dive deeper into it. And one day she, she said, hey, you've been talking about this for years, either do it or shut up. And so with that uh, enthusiastic uh, push, uh, I at the age of 37 went back to school to get a PhD and am now a faculty member at uh, University College London uh, with their School of Management and I'm in the director of the UCL MBA program. Awesome. Thanks for that. Um, I know we're, we're probably not going to focus as much on your career um, in this conversation, but it sounds like you've done some interesting things. So um, I guess I know we sort of didn't plan to speak about this, but um, could you just talk about a couple of the bits that you found most useful in bringing that into your education of, of future leaders, I guess? Yeah. Business and uh, particularly like a degree like an MBA is meant to be applied. And it's, it's not a theoretical piece. It's not something you can study in isolation. Um, it's something that is, is best understood when you have a bit of experience. And I, I think my varied background allows me to bring uh, contextual elements to the classroom 
that allow me to engage with, with students, with companies I consult with um, around strategic problems because I've dealt with strategic problems in a number of different industries. Um, and I think that that's really important. Uh, the more senior you get in an organization, uh, the more perspective matters. And uh, having had nearly 20 years in industry before coming back to get my uh, PhD and enter academia, um, uh, those experiences are, are extremely valuable in the classroom and also in the consulting world. Uh, I, give, I give talks around the world. I do a lot of executive education with uh, a number of banks. It, it actually seems like quite a bit of banks these days. Yeah. Um, so uh, that experience, while not in the finance world, is, is absolutely relevant when you get to the senior leadership piece. Yeah, of course. And, and yeah, I think that's what we're going to focus on today, isn't it? So I guess first thing, what do you see as, as the key skills that firstly a finance professional needs um, in order to, to succeed? So when I hear finance professional, that's a, that's a very wide stretch. True. So if, I, if I'm thinking of that, a finance professional is somebody who helps businesses and organizations deal with the financial aspect of running a company or an organization or uh, making sure that that company or organization is on the right side of rules and regulations uh, when it pertains to things like tax and, and to uh, investment uh, rules and regulations. So that's a very broad swath. I, I, I think uh, some things that finance professionals need is obviously the depth of skills within the, the specific niche they're playing in. Uh, but as a, a finance professional grows their career, um, understanding the broader context of business helps them communicate with clients helps them understand the strategic needs of the organization they work for or the, the client they're consulting for. And if you're really going to give the best financial advice, whether that be in tax, whether that be in investing, whether that be in wealth management, whether that be in, in a whole host of, of things, mergers and acquisitions, understanding the broader scope of business makes you a, a better advisor uh, for your clients and companies. So um, I, I think building a, a broader base of experience is, is extremely relevant to financial professionals, particularly as they climb the career ladder. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think we'll go into a bit more detail on that uh, later, won't we? Um, yes. So you mentioned uh, getting a depth of, of knowledge within your specific niche. Um, how important is it to, to specialize without, um, I guess, relinquishing that breadth of knowledge as well? We live in a society right now that, that uh, it many times rewards specialization, um, getting advanced certifications, getting qualifications from uh, accreditation bodies, the ACA or, or a number of different groups uh, might give you license to do certain things or to access uh, and, 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 and sign certain reports and, and move things forward. Um, so 
building a depth that way is, is very important. One, often to enter a profession like finance. Um, these professions are, are often regulated. And again, I, I deal with students not just in the UK or Europe, but, but around the world. So uh, if I speak in generalities, I apologize because I, I have students in Australia and China and the US and, and South America and Canada. And so they all have different regulatory bodies that they, that they deal with in different uh, qualifications. But uh, obviously you need your qualifications in order to advance your career and uh, be seen as a professional within the field. So building a depth of expertise that way is, is key um, because initially when people hire you, they're usually hiring you to do a specific job, to do something and having a depth of expertise there will get you noticed uh, and, and will get you selected for those roles. Yeah, and I guess within like having that sort of depth of knowledge on the finance side, would you then say it's important to specialize in an industry to become? Yeah, well, well, that that I think that links not just from the specialization, but um, the more you can, f if you do focus on a specific industry, you can get to learn the ins and outs of that industry at a breadth. So it, it is, yeah. you know, depth of understanding your finances, That's true. The, the more you understand the business you're dealing with. So say you're working with um, uh, a, a real estate entity, the yeah. more you understand the real estate business, uh, the deeper you get into the, the financial nuances that happen with a transaction in real estate. And, um, you know, what are some of the legal covenants and, and holdovers and how are contracts structured and those kind of things. Uh, you, you can be a better advisor, but again, uh, that, that is building depth, but everything that we're talking about, about understanding those contracts and all that, that's, that's breadth within that. that yeah. Niche. Yeah. No, that's interesting when you put it like that is, um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's a, yeah. a good I mean, insight. If, if you become the very best in one certain area, oftentimes you can name your price as a yeah. consultant. Um, but it's usually only the very, very top best that can do that. So if you're going into a niche, go into a niche to become the expert in that area um, and, and, and really drive to, to that level. Um, it, it's kind of the uh, away specialization is a, a kind of a, a pyramid. You yeah. know, you, you'd like to be at the top of that pyramid. If you're, if you're going to stay in a niche, be at, be at the pinnacle. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say with that pyramid, cause it's like initially you do say the ACA, then you go into a role in industry in any industry mm -hmm. and start to learn how it works from the other side. Yep. Then as you get towards FD level, people taking on an FD probably want someone with that spec sector specific knowledge, because then like you say, they have that breadth within that industry. Um, so I like that pyramid um, example. Um, so let's move on to different types of post-grad studies. Cause I know you say you have a lot of people that, that do approach you at varying levels. I know you teach the MBA, but you just want to talk us through the different types of qualification there are, what benefit each of them have at what point you should do them. And then we can go into a bit more detail around the MBA after that. 
Yeah. So I, I, I appreciate that. I, I think people get into finance through several different ways. Obviously, you can uh, come in through apprenticeship, apprenticeship schemes, which are, are, are uh, you know, becoming more varied these days, I think. Um, but also, you can come in it, into it through an undergraduate program, doing a business school or, or, or getting a different degree uh, and, and working your way through. But when you're looking at the first kind of training that you're doing, it is usually fairly abstract. Um, it's hypothetical problems. It is uh, learning the theory behind things and the, the overall structure from a conceptual standpoint. Um, and, and there's a reason for that is those general rules of thumb, those theories that, that we put in place are conceptualizations of how the world works. Uh, and they are, they are, they might seem complex to you as an undergrad, but they're actually oversimplifications of, of what is really complex in the world. And understanding that gives you a foundation to move forward. So if you are in your, your undergraduate education, you know, focusing on business can give you a foundational knowledge of, of that, that theoretical level. And then when you get out and you actually start doing it, when you're, when you're in practice and, and engaging with clients, you're going to realize that those theories give you a foundation, but there's so much specialized knowledge and, and so many nuances that happen in that, that, um, that you're, you're continuing to learn and push that information forward. Now, there are a number of students who want to get into finance who, who maybe didn't do a business degree for undergrad, or maybe they did one, but maybe they did like a joint program uh, with information science and so have, have a smattering of business, but, but want more. Uh, this is really where the master's in management degree comes in. And so the master's in management degree was, is designed as a, as a graduate, postgraduate degree. Um, and it is meant to give you a broad spectrum of business knowledge, but the way they're designed is there are often two tracks within a master's in management. There's a master's in management for those who don't have an undergrad in business. And that would kind of give you that level of foundation. And then there's a master's in management oftentimes with some specialization, like maybe in finance. And those are often geared to people, geared for people who already do have an undergrad in business and want a depth of knowledge in a specific area. So they'll yeah. take that theoretical lens just that step further. So for example, my degree, I did a management degree. Yeah. But and then went into accounting to do the ACA. But within my degree, I actually avoided the accounting and, and mathsy modules. Oh, no. So probably didn't give myself the best foundation. So for someone like me, yeah, if, if I knew I did want to go down into that route, I would say, look, I want to do the master's in management. I've got a, mass, uh, a management background, but I want to sort of hone in on the finance. Would I, that be something that would work? I think that would work, but that would really work when you are one or two years removed from your undergrad, undergraduate degree. Okay. Where you are now, Daniel, you've got enough experience that, that you're ready to take the next step. Mm. And the next step is that MBA step. And is this back in the, the example that we were talking about or right now? So, so where you are right now, you, you've had okay. multiple years of experience yeah. in finance. You, 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 you have experience in other industries with recruiting and finance and those kind of things. So, so yeah. you, you are an experienced professional. 
and and I I want to wanted to focus on this with you and talk with you on this because, as I mentioned, that undergrad is a theoretical piece. The yeah. the master's in management is still heavily theoretical because people only have one to two years of experience to draw on. So yeah. it is a lot of still information coming from faculty members out, and then students get to experience doing these kind of things in hypothetical situations. When you get yeah. to the MBA level, you're still getting that foundation of theory, but it turns a little bit on the component here that somebody doing an MBA is expected to have five or more years of work experience. And it's not just, you know, flipping burgers or, or working at, at, a, at a retail shop. It, it, it's meant to be five or more years of professional experience. Yeah. Um, dealing with teams and, and managing bits of projects at, at different levels. The reason is, is because the way an MBA is taught is faculty members lay out a, a little bit of theory and then they engage the the student body, the class that's in front of them in, okay, here's a theory. How does it work in your industry? And if you're somebody who works in finance, it may work one way. If you're somebody who works for Procter & Gamble or Unilever, it may work a very different way. If you're somebody who works in the construction industry, it may work a very different way. And so the faculty members in an MBA are more facilitating under what context do the rules that we believe govern business apply or not apply and where are the special cases and you have to have a level of understanding of what business is a very personal level in order to add to that discussion and that's where an MBA is so different is faculty members do teach but a lot of the value you get out of an MBA is from the cohort you're with bouncing off those ideas and saying, you know, in my industry, it's subtly different. And then you look at that and you say, okay, why? And in those questions of why, and in relating that back to your own professional experience, you gain a depth of knowledge that allows you to apply those theories, not just in very narrow niches, but you learn where those things where, where the fuzzy ends of, of those rules are and, and where you can really apply them uh, intelligently in a business, not just saying, here's a recipe, let's use this one and go forward. Most recipes, uh, when you get to a, a senior level or, or even a management level in an organization, have to, have to be tweaked because there's multiple facets at play and you have to balance interests. And that's where an MBA really, really brings in that contextual component. Uh, that is so, so important. So if you're looking at continuum, you know, getting an undergrad in business is great. It gives you a good foundation to then start. And then when you're doing your job, you're learning that contextual bit. And then doing a, a master's in management might give you a deeper level of specificity within a single area, like a finance or like a, a technology management or something like that, uh, that can give you, again, a deeper theoretical lens within a specific area. Then you get to an MBA after you've been working for a while and you're able to not just see the context of your own experience, but you're able to learn better from the experiences of others. And that's, that's the key value of an MBA is uh, that, that cohort learning 
yeah component. and and presumably it's going to be like the class is going to be full of ambitious people who are willing yeah. to learn and share their opinions yeah at so, least 99 percent of the time anyway otherwise oh, yeah. why are they i mean pursuing you, you, it? you have to you have to be a a, a um an achiever to want to do an mba and an MBA is a challenging degree, uh, a challenging qualification to push for. Um, and the people who go for it tend to be, um, I'm not going to say a type A or, or an aggressive personality, but they, they are aggressive in wanting to improve themselves. And so yeah. you will be challenged. Um, yeah. there, there is something in, in my own program, we do want people who want to be exceptional but we also are looking for people who, who know that by lifting other people up, they lift themselves up. And so we're, we're looking for people who want to be exceptional, but, but also want the people around them to be exceptional. And so we do find that, that in our group, we have a lot more of a, a, a collaborative mindset. Um, and okay. it, and it, it's worked really well for our, our students. Cool. Well, out of interest then, what are the, the prerequisites? Because you obviously... People that are applying for them are going to be high achievers, but obviously there's some sort of selection process from your side. So you need the five years of professional work experience. Academics-wise, are there any yeah. requirements? Yeah, so, so we do have some minimum requirements uh, of, of a good undergraduate degree, a 2-1 or better uh, at, a, at a UK university or, or an over, overseas equivalent. Um, there are also, for, for my program, I look, because I actually go through and I select our cohorts um, once, once we get through the funnel and, and we're down to, down to our... our do do our you interview or is it all sort we, of... We actually do. We have a video right. interview where they're asked a series of questions and it's recorded and I get to, get to uh, look through that. I also at times yeah. even send back questions and say, hey, there's something here I don't quite understand. Can, you, can we ask this again? Um, yeah if I tried to schedule interviews with everybody, that wouldn't work, but doing the recorded, <laughs> recorded bit, recorded bit flies. Um, so motivation for why you want to do it and what you're hoping to get out of it tells me quite a bit as to whether you really understand what you're getting into. Um, mm -hmm. So oftentimes we ask questions about, you know, what is your motivation for doing an MBA? And we're looking for things such as, do you understand what an MBA offers? Do you understand what the breadth of the, 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 course is? Do you, um, do you have a plan for how you're going to use the new knowledge and, and perspective that you're going to gain in order to uh, improve your own career, but also help your organization and, and, and improve in your profession? Um, and if you haven't thought about those kind of things, then maybe you're not the, the high achiever that we've been looking for. So, uh, you know, f minimum things are five years uh, of work experience, uh, a good degree, and then heavy motivation. Now, those are minimum requirements, but uh, I will tell you, even just this, this next term, so starting in, in September, so starting here in the next couple of weeks, um, yeah. I've accepted somebody who's had three years of work experience. But that three years of work experience has been as an entrepreneur with a company that's grown extremely fast. Um, they are the MD of that organization and they are, uh, their motivation for taking this and their achievements that they've done so far uh, allow me to, to, to bend yeah. those pieces because it's a holistic view. We're not looking for, for just a tick box. 
Yeah, the five years is more of a gauge in that you will probably have needed five years to get to the experience level we're yeah. looking for. But yeah, obviously, we actually average 14 years of experience on our MBA program, but that's, wow. at, that's at UCL. There are other programs that might have lower requirements. But again, when you're, when you're looking at that, you have to think about if the cohort is where you're learning a good bit from, who are the other students in your program? That's just ask that. Um, I think that's really important because it, you do learn as much from the other students as you do from the faculty. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and, and you said, you talked about the motivations that you look for. What sort of answers do you generally get? Because I know you sort of mentioned the requirements within an answer that you'd like to see, but how would that be presented <laughs> by, by your average successful candidate? Um, Obviously, it's very varied from person to person. It, it is varied, but what I, what I usually see in successful applicants are, are applicants who have identified gaps in their own knowledge that they're looking to fill. And they have done some research in the MBA to say, I think this kind of program will help me fill those gaps. And this is why. So uh, we, we've got uh, a person who works for, for the World Bank with us. And they're dealing with regulations across countries into uh, actually fintech financial transactions. And how do they encourage uh, countries that are lagging behind the, the fintech revolution uh, to take up more digital banking solutions uh, for their customers. And what this person realized is they can put regulations in place all day, but if they don't understand the marketing and consumer behavior piece um, that goes along with those regulations, uh, the effectiveness of their programs are, are, is going to lag. And so this applicant identified the fact that, you know, as they are trying to build programs, they're not just trying to build rules. They're trying to build rules that work for society. And in order to do that, they have to have a broader view of business. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess, like you say, each person will get different things out of it because they yeah. sort of identified what they need, what they want to achieve. But, Having completed the MBA, walking back into their job, what do you expect them to have achieved and, and now be doing in yeah. their job? Yeah. So our MBA program is classroom based online. So we actually encourage working professionals to come back and do their MBA while they're working. So for us, it's, it's not a separation. It's not like I quit work, go back to an MBA, and then come back to work. There uh, are yeah, full-time programs yeah. that allow you to do that, but... Uh, I, an MBA helps you grow, not just as ticking a box. In fact, um, one of the things that I, that I often uh, deny applications for, if somebody just says, I just want the letters MBA without any reason as to what it's going to do for them. Um, so ticking a box is, is what some people go for an MBA, but um, it can open up career opportunities. So there is, there is a significant, there can be a significant financial advantage to having an MBA. Um, what I hope is that people who come back to get an MBA are trying to improve themselves as managers and leaders of their organizations. And the people coming to do an MBA are usually very successful in their niche. 
So somebody may be very successful in finance, yeah. in, in, in managing tax, in, in, in dealing with, with an aspect of business. And an MBA, because it has multiple areas of focus, where you, you would be studying things like accounting, finance, and economics, and if you're already in a finance degree, those modules are probably going to be uh, easier for you. You're still probably going to learn quite a bit because you're going to learn how other industries look at it. Um, but that's going to be married with other things like marketing and analytics or operations and technology and you know people management and and organizational behavior uh, and innovation and then things like strategy covering all of that so uh if if you're an hr professional you'll be learning about accounting and finance and broadening your skill set if you're an accounting finance person you'll be learning about operations about how actually things get made and delivered not just paid for but actually physically made and delivered um, and then, you know, how do I engage customers? So it's, it gives you that forest view where oftentimes at the beginning of, of your career, you're specializing, you're, you're trying to, to see one aspect of business in very depth and, and, and build that expertise. And MBA kind of asks you to step back in perspective and view the entire field. And that helps you be a better leader because it can help you be better in your niche because you understand how your niche fits with the other, other business functions around you. Yeah. And it also helps you when you're consulting um, because you're understanding what companies need um, beyond just the numbers or what do the numbers represent to the company. Um, and I think that's, that's really important. Um, particularly as you get more senior, you have to have a broader viewpoint. Absolutely. Um, so you said because your course is sort of online alongside your job. So how, what's the duration of the course and yeah. what, what's the average workload in terms of hours like? Because yeah. I'm, I'm just wanting to get an idea of the, the commitment required because if, if it's already people that are high flyers and, and hard workers in their current jobs, the MBA on top of that, I just want to get a, an idea. Yeah. So, so I can, I can absolutely tell, me, tell you about my program, but I, I think it's even, even a little bit more important to look at the fact that there are many different types of MBA programs out there. So, yeah. so you, you don't have to do it online. And we are online classroom based. So we actually have in our system, uh, there is some asynchronous components here where, where lectures are broken up into five to 10 minute chunks and you can consume them as you're on the tube or, or moving through. But for each of our modules, they run in 10 week terms right. where during those 10 weeks, if you were to take, say you were to take a, an advanced uh, corporate reporting module, that would be over 10 weeks. And in each of those 10 weeks, you would have an hour and a half live session in zoom with up to 17 other students and a faculty member. So talking about a student faculty ratio, we average about 15 to one. So 15 students in a room with a faculty member uh, having live discussion and uh, working through problems and, and challenges and debates uh, in a live format. That's what we call our classroom-based 
delivered online. Uh, we actually have a CFO of a company based in the Middle East who in one term actually was on five different continents uh, for class, live class experiences. Wow. Each week he would show up and be like, I'm, hey, I'm in Australia. <laughs> now with COVID, that, that's slimmed down a little bit. But yeah. um, we do currently have students in, uh, from six continents. So we don't have Antarctica yet, but we're, we're, we're looking for it. Um, so that, that's, our, that's our program. And when we take a module, uh, so the asynchronous component is an hour and a half of uh, really engaged material, either videos or questions where you're going to be asked to answer and then interact with other students uh, in, in a, when I call asynchronous, means that it, it's flexible to your time. You just have to do it before you get to the live session, because once you get to the live session, you've got to yeah. be prepared to have an in-depth discussion. Mm -hmm. So at that point, the asynchronous is an hour and a half. The synchronous session is an hour and a half. That's three hours a week, each module. Now, that doesn't account for things such as if there are readings or if there's case prep. Um, so it can be up to 10 to 15 hours a week per module. It's a okay. significant investment. It's a yeah. significant investment of time as well as, as capital resources to do it. Um, but you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting you to say one hour a week. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, if, if you're a super high, high flyer in accounting and you're taking the accounting core module, you may go, I know this. Yeah. I can skim through it. And it, it, it may be a much faster module for you. Um, yeah. But what we find with our, our cohorts is you have somebody who might be really strong in accounting and somebody else who might be really strong in operations. And the person who's really strong in accounting helps the person out in operations. So we, we often work in study groups. And oh, then okay. the person who's strong in operations helps the person in accounting. So it, it's a, it's, it is a really collaborative learning environment. Great. Okay, well, so let's go into uh, a bit more detail around what is actually covered. I know when we've yeah. spoken previously, you've said there are five key areas of focus for the MBA, and I, I guess within any business, really. So there's accounting and finance, marketing, operations, people management, and then sort of underpinning them all is strategy. So yeah. can we just sort of go through those one by one and tell me a bit about what you teach and, and why they are essential to, to running a business and, and being a leader to understand them? So... There are actually uh, regulations and, and expectations from the UK government as to what a degree called an MBA must entail. And an MBA degree must entail the foundational areas of business that you mentioned, accounting, finance, and often economics is included in that. Uh, and then marketing, operations, people management, and strategy. In our program, we actually have eight core modules. So you would do a core module in accounting and finance, and that is really geared at the MBA level. It, it is the foundation of accounting and finance. So imagine somebody who is a manager or a leader who is not a specialist in accounting and finance. What do they need to know about accounting and finance in order to function and communicate with the CFO, with the accounting and finance department, and maximize the value of that knowledge? Oh, but so... 
stuff like running through financial statements and, and running through financial statements, but also understanding how they're put together. Um, what are, I guess management accounts and things like that as well for the board reports. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And then, then the same thing with marketing is, you know, what, it, what is marketing? You know, there are, there is quantitative marketing, which is, you know, how do I deal with the data that I'm getting back from customers and, and how do I, how do I deal with that data aspect in order to understand my customers better, but then also be able to respond in real time um, to their needs. Or then also how do I create customers? How do I, how do I create demand? Um, and then things like operations are really the soup to nuts of, you know, I've got an idea. How do I put it into play? How do I actually make my product? How do I deliver the product? How do I make that system more efficient? Um, we've got experts in our group that do things. Uh, one, of our, one of our faculty members worked with a shipping company and actually saved them over $100 million a year just by figuring out how to be more efficient in onloading and offloading uh, cargo containers off of shipping because wow. it cut down the amount of time. Yeah. Um, we've, got, we've got people who actually study queuing in Heathrow of, of how fast planes can come in and land and take off. Um, and, and doing that, ringing efficiencies from systems are things that operations do, but it also is the supply chain. How do you manage a supply chain? Uh, what are the foundations of doing that and understanding how that works? And if you're working in finance, that might not be something you normally touch. And so understanding, you know, what's happening on, on the manufacturing floor, where are these parts coming from and how do you build efficiencies into the system uh, that then reflect in the numbers can, can be really helpful. And then obviously people management, as you know, the more senior you get in an organization, oftentimes the more people you have to manage and yeah realistically, the more efficient you can make them, the, the better your organization is going to run, the more success you're going to have. So, so understanding what motivates people, um, what, what, what drives them to do what they do, but then also, you know, understanding how people mix, you know, how do we deal with, with conflict at work? Is that a good thing? Well, you know, data shows, you know, and sometimes it is a good thing. Sometimes it's not. And then understanding what the difference between those two situations is um, can be really helpful. And then strategy, you know, really looking across all of those aspects uh, and, you know, what are the competitive forces coming to play and those kind of things. So in our program, we actually have eight core modules. Six of them are content specific. And those are accounting, finance, business economics, operations, marketing, leading organizations, and then business strategy. And then we actually have two other modules. And this is, most MBA programs have kind of a, a, a focus. And our focus is on uh, business analytics, using data to make decisions, and then also forecasting, dealing with uncertainty. How do you do that? And so we have two additional modules. One of them is a data analytics course where you start using things like Tableau and you actually get introduced to Python if you don't know it yet. Um, but again, you're looking at that from a leadership perspective of you get to see what Python is, you get to play around with it, but you're not expected to learn Python. You can, we actually have the resources that will help you do that, but it's really meant for a leader saying, if I go to a business analytics person and I say, I need you to run this, you can know what you're asking for, 
and know if what you're getting back is really what you asked for. Yeah. Um, and then the other module is uh, critical leadership decisions. It's really digging down into the decisions we make as leaders and understanding where some of the fallacies and breakdowns can happen, but also getting you to be a more proactive leader where you are making decisions in anticipation of what's happening next. And that's really the key thing is a, a, a excellent leader is one that is less reactive and one that is more proactive. And, and so those two things are kind of the underpinnings of our entire program. And we've actually built threads of those two throughout all of the other modules. So yeah. if you're taking marketing, you will be using data and you will be also trying to forecast with that. Um, so it's not just saying, what is my next budget next year? It's even going further than that. Um, we actually had even a session on COVID-19 as it was breaking in, in one of our sessions. Um, we actually had somebody who worked for the, the World Health Organization in immunology. And then we also wow. had in the same cohort, uh, a, a leading physician who actually was in charge of, of 1,200 uh, medical clinicians. And we had a, a discussion about, you know, what was happening with COVID. And this was back in, in March. And it was great to yeah. have this worldwide cohort having this discussion with some of these experts in the room, because that's part of what an MBA does is it pulls experts from different fields into the same room. And then you're talking about, well, what's the uncertainty of COVID going to happen to business? And you've got different viewpoints into that discussion. And that, I think that's really helpful. So going back to your original question, how is our program structured? You do yeah. eight core modules and all MBAs have to touch on those core areas, not the data analytics or the uncertainty and forecasting bit. That's kind of yeah. special that we do at UCL. Yeah. And then you get to choose four electives. And those electives are things that you can dive in deeper. If you do want to go deeper into finance, things like entrepreneurial finance, understanding how startups are, are financed, understanding how mergers and acquisitions uh, move through a system, understanding how a large company uh, might buy a, a much smaller one. Um, those kind of things are, are things that we do in our elective portfolio. Uh, uh, sustainable uh, operations might be one. Um, there, are, there are a number of different pieces and there are also analytical tracks. What we, what we offer is really uh, those taking the core modules a little bit deeper, but then also some special areas around analytics, technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship, which are the focus of our program. So you do four electives and then you do a capstone project. Um, and if you want to talk about the capstone project, I can talk all day on that, but. Yeah, well, can you just give me a brief <laughs> summary? It's, if you can it's an applied problem. It's an applied yeah. piece, yeah. Yeah, it's meant for you to become a subject matter expert in either a company, an industry, or a market. Um, and so you go through the process of building that expertise through the capstone experience. So it's not something you put on a shelf. It's not, a, it's not your undergrad dissertation that you've bound and it sits there and, and you, know, you blow dust off it every couple of years. This is really something that's meant for you as you leave the MBA to walk out of the degree program as a subject matter expert in something. Amazing. And would, would people generally choose to do that in the area that they're already an expert in yeah, or would it, it be? 
it, it, it's interesting. So uh, I had a conversation with, with one of our students today talking about what, what he was looking to do for his capstone. Um, and he's very interested in um, a broader industry problem. So not something he's currently doing for his job, but what he wants to do next. Um, and, and, and really looking at, at, at sustainability around finance. Um, and other people actually choose to focus on their company. So maybe they are a manager within the finance department of a large multinational, and they want to move up from a management level to a leadership level. In order to do that, they're going to have to have a broader view of the organization. And so they might use the capstone to actually look at what is the future of this organization? Because all of these capstone pieces are, are not where are things now? Yeah. That's part of it. You've got to build that understanding, but it's where are they going to be in five years, 10 years? Because that's what a subject matter expert is. It's, it's, not, it's not just understanding the history of what's already happened. It's saying, okay, I understand what's happened. What comes next? And so in moving from a management to a leadership level, um, you know, some people may want to move into the senior leadership team of the company they're in. And so doing a capstone where they actually use this academic process to go through out their company and, and have a better understanding of the company and the challenges it's facing. And actually not just understanding the challenges, but proposing some solutions to those challenges. Okay. Can be really helpful to your career. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. All right. Was, it, was there anything else around the MBA specifically that you wanted to draw out, Jim? Yeah, it, it's, I, I think people who are in business, in finance, in banking, um, an MBA often comes up in discussions like, like do I want to do an MBA? Do I not want to do an MBA? Or, yeah, because you I was, have I was a friend who's doing ask, one. Who is it for and who isn't it for? So I think you're going to answer that question. Yeah, as well. it, it, it really is for people who are looking to move beyond the niche that they initially settled into. It, it's for yeah. people who want to step up in leadership because as you do that, you are going to be linking in with different areas of the business more frequently. And again, this is the same thing in consulting. The more that you are consulting with companies, the more you understand about, uh, you know, how do the numbers affect their marketing? You have to understand marketing in order to, to understand how the numbers affect it. Same thing with operations. I mean, you could see, hey, there's a huge savings here if we just build this out differently. But if you build that out differently, it might affect the supply chain. And so from an operational perspective, that's not a good idea. And so understanding all of those different aspects that go into a, what makes a business successful uh, can make you a better finance professional. Um, but one of the things I, I think I see this quite frequently, I see people with one or two years of experience saying, I want my MBA now. And, and I just, I don't think you get the value out of the collaborative learning experience unless you have the baseline of work experience behind you, because you won't be able to relate the lessons that are being taught to your own work. And actually we find this with our current students because most of our students are working while they're doing their MBA is, is the fact that they, they, learn something one day and they're applying it at work the next. And when they come back to the next live session, the next week, they're telling a story about what they've done at their company. So it, it's not something that you have to wait till you're done in order to apply. 
uh, I challenge my faculty members when they're developing modules and we develop our modules specifically for this program. It's not like something we've pulled off the shelf and just said, hey, let's throw this together. It's custom built for this kind of market. Um, I challenge them to say, after every session, what have your students learned that they can apply at work tomorrow, the next day, and actually have a positive impact? And that's what my faculty look at in every single module they teach, is, is how is this applied now? Yeah. Okay. Now, that, that's interesting. And obviously, if you're not at that senior level, you're learning things that you, you don't you actually can't apply have yet. the powerful enough position to apply. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. Um, so I think we've covered the benefits of an MBA and, and what, what you cover in the MBA. So I guess what advice would you give to, to aspiring execs, irrespective of whether they would choose to pursue yeah. an MBA or not? So uh, if, you're if you are aspiring to be in a senior leadership position within an organization, whether that be a CFO or even the CEO of an organization, even if you're going to be the CFO and stay within the finance realm, you are going to need to understand the broader pieces of business because you're going to be sitting in board meetings with the chief marketing officer, the chief technology officer, and understanding the language they speak and how they work. Uh, Danny, I'm going to actually refer to one of your past guests. You had a podcast with, with Dan Boland. And, and one of the things that he mentioned, and I, I even I came back and wrote it down, was uh, he was talking about answering the question that's asked. And uh, he, I think he was talking actually about it, about his qualification exams and the fact that yeah. he thought he knew the textbook, but he wasn't answering the question that was asked. And this happens quite frequently in business when, when as we get more specialized, we, we build up this specialized language around the work that we do, the acronyms that, that we throw around, that people outside of our profession, outside of our field don't understand. An MBA gives you that broader set of language that'll allow you to understand the questions that the chief marketing officer asks of finance and allow you to ask questions back that they can understand. Yeah. And so an MBA really allows for that communication piece across. And so if you are an aspiring executive, you're going to be building a broader network and you are going to need to break out of your niche within the organization in order to have a broader impact. And whether you do it through an MBA or not, my suggestion is if you want to be a senior leader in your organization, you need to move beyond the network you have and build a broader understanding of how the business operates. Um, an MBA may be a shortcut into, into opening up those doors, um, but talking to people really makes a big difference. So, so step outside of your, of your team and figure out what the team across the hall is doing. Be curious. That, I, that's the key to success. Be curious. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that um, then, so what are the three key attributes that you usually see in the MBA students that you teach? <laughs> um, so normally I'd ask, what are the three key attributes that have right to where you are? But I think since you see so many yeah. successful people, 
what are the things that jump out to you? Yeah, I, 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 since I just said curiosity, I think curiosity, yeah. but, it, but it's also, um, it, I think Socrates is the one who said, um, somebody referred that, that Socrates knew everything. And, and Socrates says, no, I only know one thing, that I don't know everything. Um, people who think they have all the right answers are not listening to other people. And so I, I think if we're looking at attributes that, that, that successful MBA students have is one is curiosity um, to learn more. And part of that comes with listening to others. I think the other is, is a drive to make a change, a drive to do something. What do you want to accomplish? Is it just the fact that you want the next job title or do you want the next job title because it'll allow you to make something better? to improve something. Um, and it's that, that next step that really, I think, separates uh, people who are doing an MBA and doing it well, because, you know, as I said, if you're gonna be doing an hour and a half of asynchronous and an hour and a half of synchronous and doing readings and casework on top of your current work, it takes commitment. And so understanding what that commitment is for is really important. That's one of the reasons why when I look at applications, I look at that motivation. So curiosity, motivation what are you going to use it and do it for and then i think the the third one is you if you're moving into a senior leadership piece you need to challenge yourself and and want to be better each day and i think if if that's something that you look at and you say, you know, every day I leave the office, I want it to be a little bit better than I was here the day before. Every day I leave the classroom, every day I leave work, I want to have somehow improved myself. That's a little bit of that drive that, that'll push you forward, that, that gives you that, that excelling yeah. that makes you a successful MBA. So curiosity, motivation, and the, the drive to improve yourself. Yeah. Brilliant. Right, Jim. Well, um, yeah, we've covered everything and I think, um, <laughs> well, I can go on really for more hours, insight. Danny, but I, I think we might, uh, might tire your, your podcast listeners out. Well, that, that's the thing right? <laughs> with, with a, a lot of the guests, I could just keep asking questions, but I think, uh, for, for the listeners sake, let's cut it short there. Um, but look, it's been great to, to have you on Jim and hear about, the MBA and just your wider uh, opinions on what makes someone successful as well. So yeah. thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Well, I just, I, I want to encourage your listeners, you know, keep, keep learning, whether it's an MBA or whether it's something else, keep improving yourself. And if you do that, I, I think your career will continue to thrive, but you're also going to be a, a, a happier and better person for it. Brilliant. Some nice parting words. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Jim. you, Danny. So that was Jim Berry. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the UCL MBA and the requirements to get on the MBA with them and uh, the format of the, the modules. So the content uh, specifically around accounting and finance, operations, business economics, marketing, 
um, strategy, business analytics and forecasting, and critical leadership decisions. Um, the three key attributes that uh, Jim said he sees in his MBA students, um, obviously very successful people, generally looking to push on, uh, were a curiosity to learn more, that drive to make a change, um, slash do something, um, and the challenge to improve themselves every single day. Um, as always, don't forget to subscribe, share and comment and you can find a list of confirmed future guests at successinfinance.co.uk. Thanks.